Thank you, AJ. Children, you might be dismissed to Young Disciples this morning. So elementary children, you can be dismissed this morning. I was met in the hallway uh, during Sunday school with a very excited graduated kindergartner, two hands in the air, and he goes, hey, Pastor Sydney, I'm in first grade. And I said, congratulations, Gabe. <laughs> Gave him a couple high fives. He's excited. He's excited to be on his way uh, in his journey out of kindergarten into first grade. And uh, now he gets to join the young disciples this morning. So I'm sure he's pumped up about that. Wonderful. Take your Bibles, if you will. We're going back to the book of Matthew. And I know that you've been there with Pastor Matt for the last two weeks talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We're going to continue that discussion this morning, kind of in a little bit of a different vein. But I'd like you to join me in Matthew chapter 10. And then we'll find our way down to verse 37. Appreciate Pastor Matt's uh, bringing the word of God to us on the kingdom. In that two-week message, we learned much about the kingdom is knowing the mind of God, as reflected in the Beatitudes. The kingdom reflects the heart of Jesus, as we see in his earthly ministry and what he accomplished and who he accomplished those things for. We know that the kingdom is also having the heart and the identity of Jesus, taking on his identity for ours, setting our identity aside and taking on his identity and then carrying the kingdom, being spreaders of the kingdom. And right in the fabric of this discussion, and Pastor Matt broke it out for us, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as the teachings of Jesus, Matthew 8 and 9 and into 10, as the heart of Jesus and who he was ministering to, we're going to find in the very heart of chapter 10 some key words that open up for us our entrance into that kingdom. Now we know by John chapter 3, verse 3, that the entrance into the kingdom is to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus that. That in order to come into the kingdom, to see the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. So that's the initial place where we come into the kingdom of God. Yet, as kingdom followers, as Jesus followers, he has yet another command, another encouragement for us to, to continue on. To find the key in your own life, to knowing what this kingdom is, to living in this kingdom, to realizing the blessings of this kingdom, to seeing yourself exhibit and carry the kingdom with you. I'd like us to look at verse 37, where we see that this is in the context, if you look around this passage, this is in the context of Jesus choosing his 12 and sending them out. And if you take time to look at chapter 10, you're going to see Jesus gives his 12 disciples, first of all, the authority, and then he gives them the directives on what they can do or should do 
under that authority, all the way from healing to casting out devils to sharing the gospel to going into towns to residing with people there. And he goes on and he opens up this pattern for ministry with his disciples. He had, he had already showed them and now he was investing his authority in them and telling them now to go out and to do likewise. And as he's talking about this, he, he kind of goes to verse 37 and begins to break down this idea of what it really means. Jesus had a way of kind of uh, reducing the crowd. If you look at Jesus' ministry, there were many times where Jesus would minister to the multitudes, and there would be thousands upon thousands of people that would come out to hear Jesus' teaching, fans, if you will. And Jesus had a way in his teaching and his ministry to narrow the field. He would make claims and he would give directives to those that were coming out to see him that would narrow the crowd because some would say, and scripture tells us, this is too much for me. What you're saying, Jesus, is too much for me, so I can no longer follow. I can no longer stay with you, endure your teachings because it's making a claim on me and I don't want a claim made on me. It's making a claim on my life. It's making a claim on my will. It's making a claim on my future. And you know what? I don't want to have claims made on me. I just want to glean and get the benefits from what you're telling me. I just want to be blessed by your teaching. I just want to enjoy the things. I don't want any hardship. I don't want any claims. I don't want any expectations. I just want the good stuff. I just want the blessings. But Jesus had a way of tightening the rope. And he does it again here in verse 37. And I know you're there because I've been talking about it for a while and giving you time to get there. He says words like this. Anyone who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life, for my sake, will find it. Wow. Claims. (laughs) Demands, if you will. Requirements. Expectations. Jesus is tightening the rope. He's saying, if you're a true follower of me, there's another level. There's another step. And it's it's a step that will impose on yourself. It will impose on your will. It will impose on you. Go with me, if you will, to a similar passage over in Luke. Luke chapter 9. Some of the same words we're going to find there. Jesus speaking them also. And this is where I want to bring some insight to you today. is from this passage in Luke 9. Luke 9. Verse 23, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self. The audience here is the 12 disciples. If you look in the passage right above this, 
Peter had just declared who Jesus is, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So we know that Jesus is talking to the 12 guys that he was tightest with, the ones that had been hanging with him, listening to him, following him, serving him. He's talking to the cream of the crop. And he's, he's raising the bar with the cream of the crop. And he's saying, if any one of you, he's looking into their eyes, if any of you want to come after me, well, hadn't they been coming? Oh, yes, they had been coming. But the question is, would they continue to come? So he says to them, if any of you, my 12 disciples, would come after me, you need to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Notice Jesus here is saying, if any man would, and if you have the King James Bible, it says there, if any man will take up or follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. The crux of following Jesus has to do with our will. It has to do with our will. It doesn't so much have to do with our feelings, it doesn't have so much to do with our education or our place in life or our, our earning ability. It, it has to do with our will. What will we do with our will? Jesus is keying in on this in verse 23 here. I accepted Jesus when I was eight years old as a child. I remember walking the altar. I, walking to the altar, I was sitting kind of where Ken Walter is sitting this morning right on the aisle, listening to the pastor that morning. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, told me that I needed Jesus, convicted me of my sins. And so at the altar time, I got up right out of that place and walked here to the front, and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Jesus was Savior, but it wasn't until I was 17 that Jesus became Lord. That Jesus became the boss, the, the master. Because between age 8 and age 17, and, and you can think of it in terms of your own age range, my life was more like this with Jesus than it was like this with Jesus. My will, his will. My will, his will. What I wanted, what he wanted. What I desired, what he wanted. And my relationship with him was kind of like this. I don't know how many of you can identify with this. I was a rebellious teenager. Oh, seriously. I know you're going, seriously? I go, seriously. You know, there's all kinds of ways to be rebellious. I'm not going to give you all the reasons or all the ways, but there's all kinds of ways to be rebellious. There's, there's ways to overtly just do rebellious things. And then there's, there's rebellion that just comes from this place. That's the kind of rebellion I had. I could slice and dice with 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 my mouth. That's where my rebellion showed itself. And so my teenage years was a put, were push and pull years with God. Pushing and pulling. His will, my will. His voice, my voice. I just want to say, as we were recognizing the graduates this morning, if I could encourage everybody under the age of 30 today, whether you're in a place where you're finishing a level of education, whether you're entering the work field, whether you just got married, whether you're making decisions about your career and your future, whether you're getting ready to get married, whatever place in life you are as a young adult, 
I would encourage you primarily more than what school you're going to attend, who you're going to marry, what degree you're going to get, how much money you would like to make, where are you going to live, etc., etc. Over and above all of that, I would encourage you to know what God's will is for you. God, what is your will for me? What is your purpose for me? And then most importantly, because this is where we as believers fall down, then do it. Then do it. There's many times we as believers know what God's will is. I know God's will is this. I know God's will is that. I know it would be God's will for me to do this, go here, say this, live my life in this certain way. I know what God's will is. That's only half. The other half is doing it. The key to finding the kingdom, the key to finding the will of God is simple as this, surrendering yours. Surrendering yours. Pastor Matt talked about it in the idea of identity, taking his identity for your identity, giving up who you are and what you're about, and taking on Christ's identity, his desires, his agenda, his will for your life. You see, as younger people, let me just tell you, knowledge and gaining knowledge through education is profitable. It is profitable. The way that it's profitable is it prepares you and leads you to a place of obedience. That's how knowledge should serve us as believers, gaining knowledge. Knowledge of the Lord, knowledge of his will, knowledge in educational pursuits. What is the value of that knowledge? That knowledge has been given, and we have received it in order so that we can say, I will use it to serve your will, O God. Because without obedience, knowledge only becomes a platform for pride. Paul says it like this in his writings, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge just makes for the big head. How does knowledge really serve its purpose? How does wisdom really serve its purpose in your life? It serves its purpose through obedience. Through obedience. Because knowledge alone can give you the illusion that you're obeying. To know something doesn't mean you're obeying it. It's kind of like buying a book, and I love books. I could, it's hard to walk out of a bookstore without a book for me, you know? I love books. I've got a lot of books. Do I know what's in them all because I bought them? No, it takes reading them. Knowledge is the same way. We can have knowledge about something, but unless we put shoe leather to it and we actually do it and take the risk and step out, and obey in what we know, that knowledge will only puff us up. It will only be a source of pride in our lives. Knowledge is for doing. Knowledge is for acting. Knowledge is for obeying. So there's benefit in knowledge, young people, today. There's benefit in security. And we're increasingly living in a more uncertain, insecure world. We're looking for security As we age, we look for security. Security is beneficial. But let me just tell you, 
True security only comes through a submitted will. You will never find true security in your life, in your future, unless your will is surrendered over to Jesus. That is where true security comes. Jesus himself talked about it as he was teaching about the kingdom in Matthew 7, 24. He was talking about these wise and these foolish builders. If you remember the story, he talked about the builder that built on the rock and the builder who built on the sand. What was it that provided security for those home builders? Was it the making of the plans and the designs to build the house? I've got the plans, rolled them out. How many bedrooms? This is where the kitchen's going to be. And we're going to put a loft over here. This is how many garages we're going to have. Here's where the laundry room there. Was the security found in the fact that he had an architectural design for what he was going to build? Was his security found in the fact that he could tell other people that he had these plans? I have these plans and let me talk to you about them. I have them. Let me share them with you. Let me show you my reputation as a builder. Was his security found in the knowledge of the position and the placement of the rock? Here's the rock. I've found the rock. I've dug down in and I've found the rock. There it is. Come on over, everybody. Come on over and see. This is the rock. This is the place where this house is going to be. That's it. That's the rock. Was his security found in any of those things? No. What provided security for him was the building, the doing, the digging, the sawing, the hammering, the fact the roof was placed on it. He had to step out and he had to do. Jesus says it like this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and then puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. There's no security, my friend. There's no benefit in knowing alone. There's no benefit, there's no security in having all the information. There's only security when that information becomes a step, a decision, a movement, a yielding of our will, a laying down of our will to pick up the will and the desire of Jesus. So especially, I know you think I'm preaching to the young people today, I kind of am. But you who are launching your life with a series of choices on the very top of your list, at the very core of your being, should be that question, oh God, what is your will for me? And not only what is your will, similar to what AJ was singing about just a few minutes ago, when I know your will, then I bow down my will, my plans, my desires, the things that are closest to my heart, the things that I want, I bow them down and I lift up your will and I say it's your will, not mine. That is the key to your future. That's the key to your life. Now I'm talking to everybody at every age. It's the key to your life too. Wherever you are, however much is behind you, 
in your past? How many things that have happened to you and around you in your past? The times that you've done your thing, the times that you've tried to do the Lord's thing. Whatever's gone on in your past, today's a new place to say, God, what is your will? I yield my will to yours, to yours. It's yielding. I don't know how many of you have tried to get on at the on-ramp on Route 8 recently. It's like a battle, you know. And you want to get out of your car, grab the yield sign, pull it out of the ground, and hold it in front of the traffic and go, Hello! You know, who's yielding here? What, what is even the purpose of this sign, you know? You guys know what a yield sign is. Hopefully you respond to it. But the traffic pattern that is closest to that yield sign is the traffic pattern that is to observe, see it, and do something about it. Okay? So if you are entering the expressway and you are on the on-ramp and you see a yield sign, guess what? You're the yielder. Don't you just love these... These, these people that are kind of dancing on the expressway, the brake lights, kind of like me, you, me, you. You coming? I don't know. Are you coming? Well, if you're not coming, oh, yes, you are coming. Whoa, wait a second. And we just kind of do that dance right there until finally somebody decides somebody can get in and we can go on. What's the problem there? It, it's kind of like a picture of life. I, it's kind of a picture of my life. And I'm sure it's kind of like a picture of yours. Yielding not wanting to yield, wanting it our way, wanting it his way, wanting our desires, his desires. It's an issue of yielding. God is coming through on the expressway with his will. What is your will, O oh God? What lane are you in? Which way you're headed? Here I come. I'm, I'm coming to your will. And he says, yield. He says, yield to it. Here comes, oh, I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like this highway. I don't like what's on this road. This isn't the way I would do it. This isn't the plan I would choose. This isn't my timing. This isn't the way I would handle it. This isn't the attitude I would want to have. Here comes the kingdom highway, the kingdom of heaven highway, and we want to enter it. We want to enter it. And Jesus says, yield. Yield. Yield to the patterns and the ways of my will. And that is the way that you can travel on this highway by yielding to it. You are God. I'm not. Your way, not my way. Your path, not my choice. Your timing, not my timing. Your priorities. The things that we've seen here in the book of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven. What are the priorities of Jesus? Matthew 7 through 9. The priorities of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, yielding to that. So how does Jesus describe there in Luke 9 the three things about yielding our will, surrendering our will? He talks about three different facets or parts of this right there in verse 23. If anyone would come unto me, he says, first, he must deny himself. There is a wrong concept among many believers about what this means. This is not self-abasement. This is not 
low thinking of self. Oh, I'm a worm. I'm nobody. I, I have no value. Um, you know, I'm just so glad that Jesus took me into his kingdom because I'm really a nothing. That, that is not de- self-denial. That is not denying yourself, thinking no value of yourself. Rather, denying self is this. It's acknowledging the right that Christ has in your life and that that right is above your desires and your will. Do we have a will? Yes. Do we have desires? Yes. Do we have wants? Yes. Do we have an eye to the future? Yes. We have all of those things. But when we deny ourselves, we take those rights, those desires, and we bring them underneath the will of God, and we lift his will up above our very own. That is denying yourself. Jesus goes on and he says, not only deny yourself, but take up your cross daily and follow me. We know that cross is an implement of execution, of death. In other words, when Jesus calls for followers, he says there's, there's a dying that has to take place. And this alone causes a lot of Christians to go, well, this is as far as I'm going right here. I'm going to attend church, and I'm going to be a good person, and I'm going to sing songs, but, you know, this calling me to a place where I die to myself, now this is just a little too demanding, and many believers stop at that place. Why? Death is painful. Death Death is painful. What's Jesus talking about here? He's talking about our flesh. He's talking about our will, our, our resolute will that we are going to and we are going to have it this way and do it this way and, and have this ending and so forth. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the death of that. The death of that. And that's a painful thing. To die. To take up your cross. You see, when a condemned criminal was forced to carry one bar of his cross... To the place of execution, he was on a one-way journey. He wasn't coming back. When we give our lives in denial of self and we take up that cross, and notice Jesus says it's not his cross, his personal cross. He's talking to each one saying, you have a cross. You have a cross. You have a cross. We all have a different cross. But when we take up that cross, what we're saying is we're headed in one direction. And that is the death of ourself and our will and our stubbornness and our pride. And we will lay that down through death, just as Jesus did. Just as Jesus did. Finally, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. This is really the obedience piece. Because following means leaving something to pursue something else. You can't follow and drag. You can't go very far. Following and dragging what's behind you and what's been a part of the past. Jesus says, let go and come with me. Follow me. Listen to my directives for your life. Listen to my will for your life. If you're willing to deny yourself, if you're willing to lift up my purpose in your life over your own will, 
you can follow me. You can follow me. Come with me. Do the things that I do. Have my heart. Know my mind. Expand my kingdom. You can come with me and be a part of this kingdom journey if you follow me. This is the place where you step out. And I know, Christians, it's hard because when you step out, it's often a scary thing. This is comfortable. This is known. This is controlled. This is familiar. This is convenient. This is the way I've always done it. This is who people know me to be. This is my security place. And I want to say to you that are younger in this room, oh, just go for it, because when you get old and decrepit like the rest of us in this room, you're going to have all kinds of reasons why. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I won't. Maybe that's more of it. I won't. I can't. I shouldn't. I haven't been there before. I haven't done that before. You know, I am so grateful and thankful. The majority of the people that are going to Tijuana on this trip are first-timers. I love that. Why? Because they're stepping out of something that's comfortable and convenient. It's much easier to be in northeastern Ohio the week of July 7th and just go about the comfortable, normal, convenient work that we know is ahead of us. Instead, there are a group of people that have said, I'm going to step out of that place into something unknown, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So those of you that are young, before all those excuses start to chase you down, do what's on your heart for God to do. Just do it. Take the risk. Step out. I say it more for us older folks that we won't be able to know what Jesus has for us when we're 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 and 100. And I'm going to keep going because you know what happens to us as adults? We we have this age that we just draw a line and go, well, once I hit that age, once I become a grandma, you know, once I hit retirement, you know, whatever that mark is, Adults sit back, cross their leg, and go, just, Jesus, come get me out of the lazy boy when you get here. You know, if you can find me over here, just come and get me. I'm beside the bowl of chips right here. You know, just come and find me. Shame on us. Shame on us who are older that we kick back. Well, I don't have the energy that I used to have. You know what? Shame on us. Why? Because some of the best years to serve the Lord are our latter years. We don't serve him in the same way that we did when we were younger. It's not going to be the same. But I want to encourage you today. If you're over 40 or 50 years old, don't sit back in the lazy boy and just wait. Oh, my friend, follow him. Follow him. Step out of the comfortable place, the convenient place, the easy place. Why die before you're dead? Why die before you're dead? Get it? I could tell you did. Let's not die before we're dead. Let's live. For where there's life and there's breath in you and me, there's a place to follow Jesus. The question is, Will we do it? Will we follow? Will we lead? And will we move in what he has for us? This, my friend, is the doorway to the kingdom. And we've heard two great messages on the kingdom. 
and what the kingdom is about, the advancing of God's work, the message of the gospel. And we are commissioned to be the spreaders, the the extenders of that kingdom, that where we walk and where we talk and where we live, the kingdom of God multiplies around us. We are called to have the heart of Jesus beating inside of us for people who are in need, who need his touch, who need his care, who need his salvation. Our mind is to be filled with his thoughts and his thinking and his agenda on the earth. But what keeps us from stepping into his head and his heart and his way? It's our will. It's our will because we're going to do what we're going to do. And we're going to have it the way we're going to have it. And we're going to figure it out the way we're going to figure it out. And God says, okay, fine. I've got so much more for you. I have so much more for you if you would just come and just lay it down. And just surrender your will and say, you know what? God, I have desires and plans and things. But you know what? They're only second to yours. They're only second to yours. Yours are first. Mine are only second to what you have. So as I conclude this morning, you know what? The daily challenge is dealing with your will. Why? Jesus said it right there in in those words. How often do we take up a cross? Daily. Why did Jesus say that? Because we have a struggle every day. Every day, our will wants to be primary over the will of the Lord. Every day. It's a human condition. I have the problem, so do you. I have the disease, so do you. It's the human condition. And so he says daily, you're going to have this challenge with your will. It's strong. You are strong-willed. Your, your will fights. It was, it was meant to be that way inside of you. Our will is self-preserving, me, mine, and I, first, foremost, and maybe only. But our will is all about taking care of us. Our will is demanding. We will do what we need to do to get what I want. And our will is relentless. I think this is why Jesus calls us for a daily denial, because every day, Your will rises up in you. My will rises up in me. What will we do with our will? Jesus says, take your will and submit it underneath the will of God and make his will first. There's a man in scripture, as I close this morning, who struggled with his will. Where the kingdom could have been forfeited um, with the denial without a denial of self. There's someone in the scripture, and you know him well, that had a struggle with his will, and if he would not have dealt with his will in that moment, the kingdom of God would have been thwarted. I would not be here this morning, and you would not be here this morning. Over in Luke 22, these words are written, He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down, and he prayed, and he said these words, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. 
If you are willing, take this cup from me. In other words, I see what I have to drink. I don't want to. My own human will says, no, I don't want to drink this. I don't want to go the way of the cross. I don't want to be publicly humiliated. I don't want to hang and suffer and die publicly for the sin of the world. Jesus, my friend, had a will. He had a will. And in prayer, he kneels down. And I believe in this short little verse, there's some time space there. He prays, take this cup from me. And I believe between that word and the next word, there could have been minutes, there could have been hours. Because I think he was in a battle to lay down his will. The conclusion of the verse says, yet. In other words, God was saying, no, this is my will. This is my will for you, my son. You have a will. You have a self-preserving, relentless will. That's not mine for you. What will you do? This is what Jesus did. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. How are you doing this morning with your self-will? Embracing it? Rolling with it? Living with it? Following it? Or in a place of denying it? Denying self. You see, the kingdom of Jesus and the life of Jesus comes only through a denied, cross-bearing follower of Jesus. That's the only way. His kingdom life can come through us. It's when our will is surrendered and yielded. The call today and every day of your life and mine is this, to deny ourselves. It's a daily call. The call will be here today, tomorrow, it'll be there. Tuesday, when you wake up and you hit the alarm, the call will be there from Jesus. If you will deny yourself, you can come and follow me. You have a daily choice today, Tuesday, June 10th. What will you do? Every day, Jesus calls and asks, what will we do with ourself? Will we embrace ourself? Will we deny ourself and lift up Jesus' will for our life? Here's a daily prayer as we close that you may want to keep in your mind as you think about this every day in your own life. Father, for the sake of your will, your ways, your heart, and your kingdom, I deny my own. And I raise your will above my own. I take up my cross today, and I follow you. It's a great prayer just to think about every day as you start your day. It's a prayer that helps put your will in its proper place. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your son, the Lord Jesus. 
not only did he settle that issue of self before your throne, but we read the pages today. The account of this denial of self, and it speaks to us today. It speaks to us today. And you are calling us, Lord, continually, continually to abandon, to resign, to surrender, to yield, to lay down, to to give up, to give over ourselves, our will, our way, the way we want things to happen, the timing that we want things to happen in, the journey that we're taking in this life and how that it should be played out. And Lord, we evaluate all of that many times by our own thinking and our own determination. Oh God, we have a will. You know that very well, Lord, each one of us here this morning. We have a will. And Lord, you're asking for that will. You're asking for us, if we will follow you, to give up and place that will underneath yours to deny our will so that your will, your glorious will, your kingdom agenda, your heart, your mind, your identity will be lifted up above ours in every single way. But Lord, we have to make that decision to come down and to yield so that you can rise up and you and your kingdom can be lived out through us. It's a good reminder for us today. It's a daily reminder, Lord, for today and for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if this is just spoken to your heart this morning, uh, maybe a reminder, maybe a reminder. These are not unfamiliar verses. Many of us know them well. But again, is it knowledge? Is it knowledge of what we, what, what's said here? Or is it action? Or is it action? So I'm asking you this morning with your heads bowed and eyes closed, Pastor Cindy, thanks for the reminder today. I indeed intend to place my will under the will of the Father in my life today and every day. That's my intention. That's my commitment today. Would you just lift your hand this morning? That's my intention. It's my commitment. It's not my will. Not my will, Lord. Your will. Your will for my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, you've seen our hands this morning. More importantly, you've heard our heart and our desire to say yes to your will. So I pray today that as we leave this place and through the week, Father, that that prayer of denial of self will be upon our lips so that your kingdom will extend through us, that your heart will beat in our hearts. Lord, that your mind will fill our thoughts. Lord, that we will be the kingdom people that you are calling us to be, that Jesus would be lifted up in our lives, Lord. People would not see us. They would see you, Lord Jesus, because your will is preeminent. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen.